In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. All right, all right, hold on. I'm here. I'm here. And here we go. I have just returned from, I have returned <laughs> from a little, little getaway uh, uh, to a uh, little getaway to, of all places, Houston, Texas. And so you're thinking, wait a second. I thought you live in Houston, which is true. Um, but if you're not from here, if you don't live here, you don't spend a lot of time here, it's, sometimes it's hard to grasp like how many miles are involved in the geography of what people call Houston. And so you can very easily live in one part of town and drive for 30, 40 miles or more, you know, and still be in some place that where they still say this is Houston. And uh, you could even be downtown Houston. And that is where I was. That is where I was. That is where, <laughs> that is where I was the last couple of days. Also, uh, Mark LaCour was there with me and we were uh, attending, um, the Rockwell Automation Fair, which is a really big deal. Uh, I actually did not know how big of a deal this is. Um, yeah, but it's at the George R. Brown Convention Center, which, uh, you know, if you've ever been to any kind of a, a conference in Houston, I'm sure you've been to the GRB. And so we just stayed at the Hilton that was, you know, connected, that's connected there to the conference center because it's just so much easier than, you know, you know how it is when you're at an event like that. And, you know, there's stuff going on in the morning and there's stuff going on at night. And yeah, rather than, you know, driving in and out from the suburbs, uh, it worked out really well. And and we were both moderating panels. Um, he, he, he uh, Rockwell had invited uh, Mark to moderate the, the oil and gas panel. Uh, oil and gas industry forum, I think they call it. And you can actually, all this stuff's available online. So if if you, um, you know, it's pretty good. You should you can go to the Rockwell Automation Fair website and and I think see everything uh, on demand. Anyway, um, Mark did the the oil and gas forum, and uh, and I and I did the one for chemicals, which uh, it turns out. We're all talking about the same stuff. It doesn't matter whether it's whether it's chemicals or it's oil and gas or and they had some other industry forms there as well. Uh, we're all talking about many of the things that you hear about every time you listen to this show or to the to the tech show to oil and gas tech, oil and gas digital doers. Um, by the way, I forgot to mention that you are listening to the oil and gas digital doers podcast, just in case. I, you probably knew that already, but just in case, I'm supposed to say it. And it is the largest. Uh, no, it's not the largest, but it's but it's right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network, which is the largest and most listened to network of podcasts for the oil and energy industry. And this particular show is made possible by the wonderful people over there at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, HPE. And I got to tell you, folks, HPE is a friend 
of the oil and gas industry. So it's a tech company, and they've got some amazing, uh, you know, they, they do some incredible stuff. You, if you don't know, you got to check them out. Go to hpe.com, um, find find their section on oil and gas or energy or however they got it labeled. I actually, I should probably know that. I don't remember right now. But um, but they're doing some great stuff for the industry. All that, all the underlying heavy-duty computing power that's required for all of these amazing digital ambitions that we have these days then you got to have the modern infrastructure if you want to do the modern stuff. And, uh, of course, we all want to do the modern stuff. So you go to hpe.com, and they will help you. And I'm telling you, they are friends of this industry. Just keep that in mind. All right, where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, so the automation fair, the industry industry forums, right? So it's a panel discussion. you got four or five people and a moderator. In, in one case, it was me. In one case, it was Mark. And there were some other forums. And it doesn't matter what industry. Uh, everybody's talking about all the same things, the same – when it comes to digital and technology, it's the same – all the same objectives. However, here is the difference uh, for you, the faithful listeners of, of this podcast and also of the tech show. Um we're ahead. They're a little behind. It's solid. Everything I heard everybody say was um, was right on. It's, it's it's exactly right. However, a lot of it was the stuff that we talk about here on the, on the podcasts. Um, maybe back it was a little bit early twenty twenty one or late twenty twenty or maybe even mid twenty twenty. So the point that I'm making is that by listening to this podcast and the tech show. You're ahead of you're ahead of the curve uh, because we're getting people in here to talk about stuff not after everybody has already kind of digested it, but and and but but we're on the we're on the leading edge here, folks. That's my point. We're we're out there in front. So don't I'm not don't stop going to the uh, to the industry conferences and events. Those are really good. They're really good for meeting people and seeing what everybody's doing. But don't stop listening to the show because you are staying ahead. And today I have a perfect example of staying ahead. And I love this one because it's two very innovative companies, very smart people, and now they're working together to do something uh, even more better for the industry. And so, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the OGGN Spotlight, Hovard Ustensen and Michael Matthews. And that does bring us to our guests today. We are sitting here at the fabulous Cannon on the west side of Houston, where the sun is always shining and the birds are always singing and the people are always happy. And I, see, and I always make, every time I look at whoever the guest is, when I get to that part, you always smile. And so now we're all, now we're all happy. So as, uh, as, as you probably just heard me say before that exciting musical interlude, I am here with, uh, with two different guys from two different companies that are working together. And it's kind of an interesting matchup. So, uh, so we have, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do the harder one first. We have Hovard Ustensen. Nicely close, done. Close for an American guy. That's not so bad. Um, I have a. I've I've worked with a lot of Norwegians, so I've I've had a little bit of practice. And and you're from Kongsberg Digital. We also have Michael Matthews from our good friends down the hall here at Data Gumbo. Um, let's let's uh, let's first get out of the way, like who you guys are and what you do. 
separate from each other. So, Hovard, starting starting with you. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you so much, Sean, and thank you so much for for having me here. <laughs> yeah. um, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity. Yeah, so my name is Hovard Ostensen. I, I work for. I said, yeah, I said you it did. just like that. You, you did. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was good. Ostensen. That yeah. was really good, Got actually. It. Yeah. So no, I I I work for Kongsberg Digital. And uh, Kongsberg Digital is a company that is part of the bigger Kongsberg Group in Norway, right. headquartered in Norway. Um, and that is a company that has very rich history. It goes back yeah. more than 200 years, actually. And it goes back before that to the silver mines of Norway, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, but if we fast forward to yeah, yeah. today, yeah, right. <laughs> then, uh, then uh, Kongsberg Digital is really the center, digital center of excellence within the group. Um, so I work within Kongsberg Digital in a digital energy unit, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm responsible basically for the growth of our digital twin and production simulation uh, portfolio uh, in Kongsberg Digital. So we are on a mission to take digital twins into the market to help customers realize the value around digital twin. Good, good, yeah. It's um, As I mentioned, we were chatting before, I had a little bit of... Uh, I had a little exposure to what you guys were doing a couple of years ago with another company that I was working with. And it, it was, uh, it's cool stuff. And it came out of the simulation uh, 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 technology, right? Yeah, the Simulation yeah, exactly. kind of naturally leads to exactly. digital twin capabilities. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, yeah, the way we actually arrived at digital twin, it was not by some, some sort of sudden innovation, right? If you look at what Comicsberg yeah. had done for the, the past couple of decades, really, it was to deliver simulation software to the oil and gas industry to help the performance of facilities, both in terms of training, but also increasingly creating live replicas of those environments through production simulation. And right. that was specifically dynamic simulation that could cater to scenarios such as ramp-ups after shutdowns, right. startups, commissioning activities, etc. So the company really had a unique position uh, in that market. And then, on the other hand, uh, there had been investments made in industrial 3D visualization. Yeah. It goes back a couple of decades, and, and if you look at it, you know, there was probably an opportunity to bring those things together. But when the, the advent of cloud and the maturity around agile, DevOps, and, and that whole kind of narrative came to full fruition about mid and midway in the past decade, then, you know, we you know, actually made uh, made headway into building those cloud-based solutions. And we combined the visualization, we combined in the simulation, and we built an integration platform that was able to consume data into a cloud-based system that would integrate all these capabilities. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So that's how you essentially build a digital twin. So for us, it was it was inherently more than an information library. It was more than a 3D model. People yeah. had already seen 3D models for a couple of decades. We had been working with them doing, yeah, in, in yeah. fact, that. And yeah. so you get the question, well, what is new? But it's the new element here is really bringing it all together for a better experience for right. the end yeah. user. And, and then hitting the, the personas, the, the different users out there, whether they're maintenance engineers or production uh, engineers or facilities engineers or people on yeah. shore, Really trying to, you know, make sure that you know they get the most value out of this new, rich, dynamic environment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's the uh, that's the theme of the show, right? Digital doers. We want to. It's it's about actually getting the value 
from the technology. It's funny because we, um, um, and by the way, that's enough about you. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to Michael here, but uh, <laughs> but I, I, this this one thing uh, I always think about is the first time the first time, and I don't know my my listeners are probably gonna roll their eyes because I think I've said this I told this one before, but. Um, the first time I ever heard somebody say, we need to make sure that we don't do technology for technology's sake, right? You know when that was? In the 90s. That was the first time I heard somebody say that. And at the time, it was like this brand new like, realization. Oh, like don't, and, and you'd go around accusing people, right? And that was how most things got struck out of the, out of the budget that you were asking for, right? Is you say, well, that's just technology for technology. And we still, like, we haven't learned it yet. Like, we're still doing it. We're still, a lot of, a lot of these efforts are still people uh, you know, we're still trying to tell ourselves, oh, we shouldn't do technology for technology's sake. So the, val- like, the value thing is, is, uh, is critical. Anyway, I, it always makes me think of that. So Michael Matthews, Data Gumbo, I, you're the, I, I have to tell you that, not that this, this shouldn't reflect on your, on your stature or anything, but you are the third Data Gumbo person now that, um, that I'd say we, we, had, we had Andrew on the tech show about a year and a half ago, I think, and then, um, and then who was on this one? It was uh, William, William, William Fox, yep. yeah, and um, I don't remember what we talked about, but, uh, <laughs> but it was something good. <laughs> so, so who are you in, in, in Data Gumbo world? All right, well, likewise, I'm uh, really, thank you for having me today. Sure. And yeah, looking yeah. forward to this. This is a really exciting topic for, for us. Uh, like Hongsburg, where Data Gumbo has not been around for, for 200 years. We've just been... No. 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 <laughs> Andrew looks really good for 200, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> uh, we are a startup, and I, I'm responsible for our uh, channels and alliances, so working with, with outside partners, as well as uh, going into new markets. Yeah. And I'm not sure what your listeners know about Data Gumbo, but we're we've sort of taken existing technologies and just as you were saying, we're, we're not a technology looking for a problem. Mm. As Andrew, Andrew Bruce, our founder, founder of the company, he was actually trying to solve a problem. And in his mind, put a couple of technologies together that seemed to be able to do that. Right. And, and so our origin story has to do with, let's say, drill pipe connections in, up, in, in the upstream yeah. sector and doing that faster. And the operator saying, I can't find a contractor to do it. Yeah, yeah. And right. the contractors wouldn't talk to them, said, I talk to you guys. And they said, well, we're not going to do it because we don't trust the operator. We yeah. can do it faster. But they're just going to negotiate our rates down and then find a reason not to pay us. Yeah. And yeah. then at that point, Andrew put together the idea of if I have an IoT platform collecting that data from the drilling operations, and I use a smart contract to calculate that incentive payment and put everything on blockchain where it's immutable, would that work? Yeah. And that was really where Data Gumbo got started. And that was the first time that anybody actually began to know what their contracts actually say. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> prior to that time, nobody would read them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you say that, and we, you know, we, we go in. Part of our analysis and process is to analyze what we call the natural language contract, and we find that they've just evolved over time and have these inherent errors and mistakes and contradictions that you know are impossible for a human right. being to actually verify. Right, right, right. Um, okay, so we have those two. Uh, so now people might be wondering, digital twins and smart contracts. Why are these two guys on the podcast at the same time? And that's actually what we're what we're getting to. That's what you're working on together. Is somebody had the idea that said if we put digital twins together with smart contracts, we can do some goodness for the for the industry. So, who, who where did that come from? Where that idea come from? Yeah, so I can I can try to answer first. I mean, <laughs> okay. uh, 
I'll give it a try. How about that? Yeah. So, so I think the last thing that that I you know mentioned when I tried to describe digital twin, which is it's actually quite hard now because it's such a comprehensive uh, mechanism for delivering data, right, and yeah. delivering insights. What is it not? What is it? <laughs> well. We defined it as being broken into three different components, so data, visualization, and models, right? And the data component just kept getting richer and richer and richer. So I mentioned the simulations. Obviously, you want to put this real-time, you want to hook into your real-time data feeds, you want to hook into maybe your historian, and you can extend that to engineering data, et cetera, et cetera, and it becomes quite broad. So at some point, you're starting to drive supply chain data from the digital twin ah, as well. It's all coming into so, view now. So <laughs> it's, it's based on the data that then converges onto this digital twin platform. Yeah. As operators, owner operators are increasingly then seeing, and this is this quite common view now, that if I'm going to invest in this very rich data environment that a digital twin is, it will contain... Uh, let's say contractual use cases, whether they're in supply chain or tied to the commodity, well, you yeah. could describe those use cases individually, but there's a there's a concept there of having a trusted source of information that's converged onto one environment, and we all probably a lot of us at least you know my career I've always heard about the data quality problem in the yeah. oil and gas industry used as I've an heard excuse of, I've for, heard that mentioned yeah. a time yeah. or two. It, yeah. it comes up yeah. now and then. Right? Yeah. And, and and why we can't do you something. You've got to say silos somewhere. Right, sentence, silos right? Yeah. and, yeah. yeah, exactly, all yeah. of that. So so what we've been able to combat with digital twins, in part because we have the simulation capability, is that we can generate a lot of high-quality synthetic data. And and what it actually means is that you get a better you get a better <laughs> so foundation. What, you, what I just heard you say was, if the real data is no good, we're going to make up like synthetic data. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and it may seem far fetched, right? But right. but in you know one of the big problems out there is that sensors and or or I should say measurement and the setup of measurement isn't that great. And if you're trying to process a contract, it could be that some of the data points that you need to process your transactions rely on measurements that don't necessarily, well, they may not have excellent quality. They may also, in some cases, not exist, and you have to infer uh, those measurements. So what we're driving with the digital twin is to help with simulation to fill out some of those gaps, and then we build on top of that with data-driven algorithms to further enhance the data yeah. quality. Yeah. So. so where does the smart contract come in? Well, when, let's take maybe a practical example, right? If you have some type of chemical tank in the field where you need to do replenishment, wouldn't it be nice if you could hook up your smart contract to the digital twin that is able to deliver the inventory values on that tank? So when the inventory drops to a certain level, you can trigger the yeah. transaction and start your supply chain. Right, right. And that's kind of where... That's one of the examples, but that's where you're starting to see that, hey, there's something that can yeah. scale here. So, so what does that look like? So from, the, um, so from your, Michael, from your side of the world, as you're trying to work on these smart contract <laughs> problems, which is, is already like kind of not for the faint of heart, right? right. Like, you, like, like that's, a, that's a big undertaking to go. It's one thing to say we came up with this really cool uh, blockchain 
thing, right? But to go out there into the real world is not simple. Right. And where we run into the challenge is is just what we've already talked about, and it's it's the data challenge. The smart contract itself, in terms of the business You're logic. You're sidestepping the people challenge, but we're yeah. going to come back to <laughs> There are to some that. people in change issues there, but <laughs> yeah. it is really, we, we, what we run into time and again is the, the availability of the data, and we're always told, oh yes, we have that. Oh yes, we have this. Of course oh we yes, do. our yeah. data is and good. And it's perfect. <laughs> and we get in and we start pulling the data, and we either run into permission issues, because we'll find there's different data is owned by different camps within inside an organization. And you'll run into that wall and not get permission yeah. to get the data. The silos strike. So you're running into the silos. And then when you get the data, the smart contract starts, keeps tripping because the data quality is not there. And so it can't verify the event. So just what Havar was talking about in terms of being able to synthesize and smooth out that data to provide us high quality data, then you're able to because all we're trying to do is verify that the transaction occurred and did it meet the terms of the contract. So was it the volume that you expected? Was it the, you know, the quality that you expected? Was it the product that you expected? Yeah. So that when you say verify the transaction occurred, you're not talking about that in the, in the accounting sense. I mean, no. you, are, you are getting to that later. Right. But right now you're trying to figure out whether what was supposed to happen actually happened. Right. In the and way that it was and we're using... Essentially what the smart contract is doing is connecting that that field data or reality capture of what's happening in the reality world. Reality capture, I like in that. The world. That's a, that's a cool and then one. using that to verify the conditions of the contract and then passing it to the accountants. Whereas today, you've got somebody in payables or receivables you know, trying to argue something that happened 45 days ago. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's where claims, disputes, accruals, things like that occur. Okay, so, all right, let me see if I got... Yeah. So the idea is, um, rather than waiting for real life to play out, however, in whatever messy way that it plays out, you're, you're using a digital twin to, um, uh, this is like minority report, right? Like you're like, <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but yeah, not. That, yeah. <laughs> not quite that far. <laughs> so, so, um, but okay, but but now now I'm thinking about it from from the other side, right? Which is uh, all of the all of the does the is a digital twin? How, how do I get the digital twin to account for all of those things that yeah, you need? Yeah, so, to so the the digital twin is uh, it gives you the current state of the facility, right? So you don't have to go all the way to minority report and prediction <laughs> if you don't want to. We can get there too, yeah. you know. But yeah. uh, but the first step is really get a really good idea of what the state of the facility is. And that, you know, right now, you know, we can do that through, you know, sensors and some dispersed systems that are the operators are managing. Uh, but what we're trying to, to do is to converge that into one environment so that we can better manage information. And I think there's this extended narrative around new, how do you do asset management in a new and better way, right? Yeah. So, so what okay. we have seen is just that it, when we show up with an operator, you know, and, and we look at their business processes around the asset management process, you're looking at a very dated and reactive regime of processes, right? right? Sure. And they're very manual. And right. oftentimes, small incremental changes are, you know, helping you more than trying to do some type of wholesale, you know, big bang transformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would start with looking at, you know, an example, you know, just like what was mentioned here, you know, you could also, you could pick, 
you know, an asset management or asset maintenance related process. And you would you would look at how can I drive efficiency from a data standpoint and drive that to to the contracts that actually get executed on right. and, and the goal is is you know I would say is to move closer to real time real time management of the asset and and there's so many you know it's almost a cliche to mention now but there's so many aspects of our life where we are now expecting real time feedback like for example with rideshare you know you yeah. don't have an you know, in general, I would think you don't have an accounts receivables management process. The payment goes immediately, so you can envision the same, but a volume of transactions that sure. where the asset is at the center. And yeah. that's we're really trying to facilitate that with improved technology. This is a really yeah. different way of thinking, though, yeah. right, for the industry. I mean, this is, yeah, this this is like mind bending for... But, for but it's interesting, and in what Navard was saying, in our in our daily lives... In the B to C world, yeah, yeah. that instant verification, validation, payment occurs all the time. Right. Why doesn't it happen in business? Yeah. And that's the crux of the challenge we're trying to, right. to get at. Well, it's, it's funny because that, that's always the case, right? It's, I remember the first time, the first time um, I was working with, with a project team back on something. Um, so there were these things that we used to call intranets, right? And back in the day, mm-hmm. we used to used to say it like this, intranet, because you had to make sure that people didn't think you were talking about the internet, which was still kind of new, right? And now you right. get this other this intranet thing. And I remember like the, the first time uh, a client of mine said, he was like a COO of some company, he goes, all I want to know is how come I can go online and I forget the example he used, right? But I can find something on the internet like in two seconds and I can find exactly the thing I'm looking for, but I spend all day long on my own thing, internet, and, so, and, I, can't, and I can't find a damn thing, right? And, and, that, and we continue to have that, but, but, but we're learning, right? Yeah. So we're getting there. And obviously, the, I mean, the, so we've already established in other uh, episodes that the bounty in, in, uh, con- in contracts, the contracts world is big in terms of the effect that it can have on, on um, on 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 business, like the, it's not the sexiest part of digital transformation. I think is what Andrew what yes, Andrew Bruce said, right? right? It's not it's not the part that we all get excited about, but the but the but the savings is huge. It is huge. So, and I don't remember like I, I like you guys have some numbers. Or I'm not going to make you memorize it, but <laughs> but how, like you've you've done some quantification of how this can can uh, the kind of money and time that it can save, right? Yeah, I mean, it, and it varies by let's say the type of contract or the you know, the service being provided, right. but um, you know there are in the in that complex supply chain there are just hidden administrative costs in handling all of these contracts. Right, and you know some estimates we've seen as much as you know you could be twelve layers deep in terms of that supply chain hierarchy, and each one of those layers is carrying anywhere from two to four percent of just administrative burden of the contract, to where maybe thirty to forty percent of your total cost. It's already baked into the price you're paying right. because of how inefficient those interfaces are. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, conservative numbers that we use are, you know, five to ten percent of your spend we're able to save in automating so, those transactions. That's certainly nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Um, okay, so now I want to, I'm thinking about it, kind of go around the other way. So it's clear, and I think I get, right, that the way the digital twin helps you in the, in the contracts world is, 
is now I'm able to, um, and I still think this is like Minority Report, but uh, I'm able to actually kind of fast forward and see what, you know, what, what hasn't quite played out yet in terms of all the, the accounting transactions. I'm able to verify that, in fact, once all those transactions play out, they will match up to what actually occurred in the, in the, in the field, right? That's, right. that's what the, the twin is doing for you. Now, the flip side is, so like, Ovar, like, what's in it for you guys? How does... How does, how does no, I'm just here supporting our partner. <laughs> no, but, but, but so if I'm, a, if I'm a customer and, you know, how, how does this... All right, so I'll put it in the customer point of view. So um, what, how, do, how does bringing the contracts piece into the whole digital twin effort, what does that do for people? It's, it, I mean, it's a very, very good question. I think I'll take a step back and, and answer it a little bit more from a, let's say, holistic perspective, right? So what we're in... in in the business to try to help is to create the digital work surface of the future, really, which which is very strategic. It means that no longer should you as an oil and gas or energy industry employee come to work and have to open up 20 applications and 50 spreadsheets to do your job over the course of a week. You should have you should my extra time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So you're talking that the, the value proposition. Yeah. Up, yeah. yeah. So so uh, yeah, it's it's really about driving people to a logical place where they can do their work and also establish a more let's say more relevant relationship with the asset that you're supporting, right? And being able to do it remotely and so on. This is now, you know, all in the cloud and is easier to access. And and if you're taking the, the thought of the industrial work surface of the future, it goes beyond just surfacing information into a decision-making process. It also closes the loop. So when you have conducted those supply chain activities and your transaction closes, you should be able to get notified uh, by the digital twin that it happened. Yeah. And yeah. If you have the responsibility for an inventory right. tank or a pump or something like that, you should be able to come to work, and that uh, digital replica of that asset should be, you know, have a green flag on it that said, "This was done. You don't have to focus on this now. You can move on to the next part of the process." Yeah, that sounds easy, but it requires no. these connections on. on yeah, the this whole yeah. this whole closing the loop thing, all throughout the industry is is always more complicated uh, than it sounds. But th- that's the kind of uh, it's, it was funny to me when I first started getting involved with especially some of the like um, like from the technology side some of the science and engineering disciplines mo- well mostly the science disciplines um, how much loop closing does <laughs> traditionally doesn't happen right sure. and uh, nobody ever kind of goes back to figure out why didn't we so so that's huge um, but you said something I think I think Hobart I think you said a few minutes ago you said you talked about um, focusing on better you know ways that we can manage the asset better which is really resonates with like the like this is what's this is where the industry is looking now right it's not like broadly it's much more about how can i get more value out of the assets i already have or the assets that i'd like to have or the ones that i like to get rid of or whatever and not so much about new reserves and new discoveries and 
now before anybody writes down that I said we're not doing exploration anymore. That's not. I mean, but but that's where like in terms of where the where the real value is. That's that's where people are looking, right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that yeah. that's. Yeah, I think so. I can say that uh, the first thing that people ask about is how do I do autonomous operations? How can I go fully Well, first you've got to take your hand off the wheel. No, yeah. don't do that first. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and so we want to we wanna help is that, owner is operators that, get there. Is that a real goal, autonomous operations? Yeah, I mean, it is a very well articulated goal with a very uh, undefined path towards it that we're trying to help with, right? So, But, yeah. but people have this... Mm. Uh, idea of autonomous operations closing the loop like fundamentally where you're moving to the down to the process control domain and the actuators yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and all that and that re- that's going to require uh, you know significant work in the industry and we'll have to do it and you know somewhat piecemeal with a, you know you know aging asset portfolios you know and and different setups in play but i think what everyone saw and again, it's almost like a cliche now, but during the past couple of years with COVID, people were forced to do remote work, right? So yeah, right. what the concept of remote operations and remote management of assets was all of a sudden very real. And we saw that, you know, when we were delivering digital twins, that people were now really getting onto the digital twin to do the work so they didn't have to go to the field, didn't have to go to the office and cross-check things, and they were just kind of forced to do different things. So, yeah. of course going from where we are today to autonomous operations is a journey and it goes via remote operations and remote management but also moving into a better more predictive realm so that you can build on let's say the algorithms that we talked about earlier gradually become more autonomous and then you start picking strategic pieces where you can start closing the loop right but this is where you know, all of these technologies come together and then to get kind of back to the contract world that's one piece of it yeah. right that's one way of closing a commercial loop that's right. part of this bigger narrative that really just drives us up that ladder towards autonomy plus you can take that 5% that you're saving over here with data gumbo and channel it into all these other uh, more uh, useful things right yeah and and we've seen that in in our deployments where from the engineering side, the operator, engineer, whether it's a you know a plant or drilling operations, and we've done the surveys with them, and they're finding that 30 to 40 percent of their overall time is closing that administrative loop, not doing engineering technical. 30 thing. to 40 percent is their response. All the contracts that they have to deal with, and the vendors and suppliers they have to manage. 30 to 40% of their time is done on more of that administrative contract management piece of it. Yeah. And I can just add that it's even, the number goes even higher when you're starting to take old engineers and uh, facility workers into account. Yeah, sure. One of the biggest pain points you address uh, immediately with this is just finding information in an intuitive location. Yes. That's just not in place right Right. now. So we're starting with the fundamentals. Radical, radical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What would be interesting to know is how much of that 30 to 40% is actually spent on things that were already done once and were done wrong and now you're fixing it right because right. because now you have sort of a compound now it's re- in theory it's really more is even more because because right. you'd be saving all the time that you spend right. redoing stuff so um all right uh let's see i'm i'm, I'm, I'm watching the yeah. clock here because we're getting we're not we're not yet at the point where people will like change the channel if we still keep talking <laughs> but we should probably land the plane um 
so let's say um, uh, this is the easy one. So so let's say uh, I'm out there and I'm going. I'm sold. This is it. This is what I want. We need to be doing this. Um, apart from just saying calling up Kongsberg Digital and Data Gumbo and say, hey, I'd like to buy something. Like what? Like what's the path? How do I go from where I am, from whatever chaotic world I'm in now, to um, because because people always talk about these utopian sorts of things, but in the real world i have to make like i have to map out like well how do i get there from where i am so what do you how do you how do you advise people in that regard yeah so from a digital twin perspective it's such a large initiative you know it can seem a little bit daunting at first but something that we have really learned is to align with the business uh, itself right and ensure that everything is value driven and that you have a business led sponsorship of what you're doing to ensure that you are delivering into value all the time, right? We've gone are the days where we do kind of uh, pre-heavy spec type yeah. projects with waterfall delivery. This is more like an agile evolution, but right. it should really be driven by uh, champions from the business side who understand the value proposition and can course correct and help steer that through. So, so that's that's fundamental. And then on the other side, you know, we have also seen that. When you start these, let's say, these ideas, then there's this tendency to try to go for the whole, uh, let's say, the complete solution in one go and try to, you know, determine sure. what the entire, yeah. you know, how are you going to address the entire problem. But what we have seen is try to do it a little bit more bite size and just ensure that you can actually get to value with those those initial drops. Right. And then you create this kind of self self fueling initiative that's business led. Yeah. And that, that has nothing to do with technology. That's more yeah. with to do with the As human always. nature. Yeah, it, I mean we talk about this a lot where the expectations on time to value well, just the fact that we now have a, this little buzzword called time to value. We didn't even used to have that. Right? We right. I, I used to laugh in the um, Again, back in my, so I grew up in the uh, enterprise IT consulting world, and we used to do all, I used to laugh because there would be, when you're proposing a project or you're planning something, right, and, and you, you, you were Accenture, right? Ovar, you were Accenture. So yeah. um, all this work goes into this thing called ROI. What's the ROI on this project going to be, right? And nobody ever checks after the project was done. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> or nobody even has a mechanism Right, because by the time the project's done, it's been so long, and there's been so many change orders, and like by the time we get to the end of it, who knows whether we actually got the ROI? But now, particularly in oil and gas, where people are used to historically, yeah, we're going to spend, and I think you mentioned this earlier, we're going to spend the next five years, and we're going to right now, like it's got to like, like we hear things like. 30 days time to value, right? To prove value, right? 60 days time to prove value, which I imagine in the contracts world, it's gotta be a challenge because everything starts out as such of a mess, right? Right, but in what Avar was talking about, it's we take the same approach. So it is a agile approach and can be incremental, right? And so you start with, you know, where you know you can get quick success. And because the, the benefit we find on the on the contract side of it, it's both the buyer and the seller benefit. It's not yeah. just all to yeah. the operator or yeah, to the buyer, well. right? Yeah. It, there's also huge value for the seller, um, both in their you know their field operations as we've already discussed, but also in the back office, whether it's the payables or receivables. There's not you know two hours per invoice or two hours per transaction where it's having to get touched, and if it gets disputed, it's another two hours. And when you've got ten thousand invoices you're trying to process every year, that's a 
that's a yeah. big lift. Yeah, yeah. And so we began to to take that down and and having that already the digital twin, you're able to then prioritize and focus what contracts do we need to automate first, second, third, and take yeah. that step-by-step approach. Okay, so interesting point. So the digital twin actually helps you tackle the problem in a a way that you can figure out where's the value and where should we start, right? And and one of the things that we're seeing is that, and you already talked about, well, you know, automating contracts, that's kind of maybe not the sexiest thing in the world, but ESG reporting and greenhouse gas emissions is becoming a burning platform. And so maybe your approach is instead of looking at you know spend analytics and where your bucket to spend are and automating those contracts maybe you're going after your emission sources or your carbon yeah. footprint and let's automate those transactions so that we can get the ESG reporting now you're talking yeah. now you're now you're moving back over to the hot, the hot side of the of the tabloid right. um yeah Howard, you look like uh, like you open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The topic of ESG, you know, very much something that we have in common, right? I think yeah. now there's increased focus on emissions and uh, how we can also prepare for efficient uh, surfacing of data related to emissions reporting. That's in a world where you want to converge information onto a digital twin. The digital twin obviously becomes the ultimate source for that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when I talked about, you know, leveraging simulation capabilities and such, it's very much tied to being able to produce very accurate uh, emissions reports that then are reported out to authorities, et cetera. So that really, you know, comes together in another, you know, use case where you combine these right, sure, yeah, yeah, makes sense. So, so yeah, but the, the and and you mentioned data, right, and and standing up uh, this environment. We we have some good experience deploying digital twins now, right? This is this is not a, you know, just an idea anymore. It's something that's being done, right? right. So, you know, we are averaging around ten to twelve weeks on standing up an environment with the prioritized data sets for that particular foundational, asset. yeah, for assets, for, yeah. For, so 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 that's exciting because uh, ten you know, twelve weeks yeah. with. Kind of depending on what they have in place to begin with, probably, it, right? Certainly, it, there's dependency. I mean, the better data, the quicker you can do things. But even there's this misconception that if you have, let's say, mediocre data quality, you can't do anything. And that's not necessarily true. Oh, because you guys just fill in the blanks with whatever you want. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I won't quite say, you know, that, but but and we certainly help in that area. No, but it, we, makes, it makes perfect sense, we, actually. Yeah, we, you know, yeah. if you surface something, uh, if you surface data through an intuitive interface, Right, and you show your data quality gaps uh, on a PNID. Yeah, then the yeah. engineer is going to be able to pick up on it. It's right. not going to be your your data engineer that picks it up first. Right. It's going right. to be someone with a business, somebody on the business yeah. side, yeah. exactly. And then from from our side, from the contract side, with that high quality data, the ability to get to actually automating the contract and the transaction. It's not a big lift either. It's a you know six to eight week process, and it's yeah, more just okay. aligning the two sides of the the contract over is it meeting the intent of the contract? Because our biggest delay up to now has been data quality, and we've got that hurdle handled. Then you know con- right, 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 contract right. logic. Yes, everyone yeah. thinks that their contracts are special, but you can only yeah. sell stuff a certain way and pay for it. A Ours way. is different. <laughs> Ours. You don't know how we do things here. Yeah. It's a little different. Um, yeah, I heard that. I heard that a time or two in my past. Um, okay, so do you guys? Uh, so this part can be a little bit, a little bit infomercially since since we're. I mean, do, so do you have like some sort of way of like coming together and delivering this together, or, or how how does that? Uh, I mean, you did a press release and everything. So how uh, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So we are officially partnered, um, officially. and you know, it's possible to reach out for us to uh, you know 
to get to a common solution, you know, where we can provide these capabilities. Uh, so, uh, you know, anyone who's listening who's interested can obviously yeah, yeah. contact us. And we we have the delivery organizations uh, that can actually, you know, get this get this work done. And then, you know, good experience. I think that, you know, a lot of stakeholders out there could, could tap into now. This, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Having the help is, yeah. Uh, yeah. is exactly. important. So, okay, great. And we will put... Um, um, so we always put in the show notes, uh, we'll put links to you guys, your LinkedIn profiles and the companies. Anything else uh, that, you know, for if people want to learn more about either what you're doing in this or just learn about this in general or anything or, or any cool events that you have? I forgot, to, I forgot to tell you this before we got started, though, so you could think of something. So if you can't think of anything, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> well, we just did something together last week. I think yeah. it would yeah. be a good summary of. Okay, great. Yeah. Is that yeah. uh, the the replay of that is available? I guess. Yeah, yeah, the way replay should be available. We can maybe we can put some links in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll yeah. put links yeah. in the show yeah. notes and we'll do yeah. all. Yeah, we can. Of course, there's our website, contact forms. You know, both companies. Yeah, yeah. Those. Cool. We're quite active uh, on LinkedIn, I would say. So it's easy yeah. to grab something there, and we're putting out new content. All yeah, that's all how time. I found out yeah. about you actually doing this 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 thing together. So yeah. it's great. All right. Good. Well, thanks, uh, thanks both of you guys for making time. Michael, thanks for making the long journey from your yeah. office. <laughs> Actually, your office, so we're at the, so uh, for those of you following along at home, we are at the very back end of the uh, Canon, and and your office is at the very front. front so right. that's that's about like a seven-minute walk, right? It is, I mean, yeah. not, in Europe, not in Europe. In, in Houston, it's a seven-minute walk. In Europe, it's like a it's like a two-minute walk. walk. Yeah. yeah, we walk fast. But you were, but Hobart, you were impressed, right? You came in here, you're like, wow, this place That's is a great, is, great space. Is, you know, lots, yeah. you know, it's uh, you know, lots of good space. And, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, large building. You know, it's lots huge. of good innovation yeah. here. I, I was yeah, good I think what, there's I close to two hundred companies, I think, in in the canyon. Is there two? Yeah. Well, that explains why I can't yeah. find a parking space yeah. anymore. It has grown a lot. It's really grown a lot. It's grown a lot lately. So anyway. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Michael Matthews, Data Gumbo, Ovard, Listensen. Did I get it? Nicely done. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. You got it. From Cogsburg Digital. Thanks, guys. And uh, um, this will be, uh, this, this one is going to, this one, I, I've been running a little behind schedule lately, so you will not have to wait very long to hear this one and come out uh, on the, on, in podcast land. No. All right. All right. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Digital twins and smart contracts coming together for a brighter future. Who would have thought? Put those two things together. Actually, uh, you know, well, these guys thought of it, and uh, and I don't know. Maybe they're not the first ones to think of it. It's probably other people, but 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 they, but they seem to be the first ones to make it happen in a in a really valuable way. So thank you to. Uh, both to Cogsburg and to Cogsburg Digital and Data Gumbo for uh, being willing to come together and and do this little story. And also, thank you to just in case you're listening, Gina over there at Data Gumbo. I appreciate you uh, helping me bring these guys together and getting them in front of the microphone. So that is going to wrap it up for today. Don't forget, OGGN. It, I, I know you. I know you love this show. I know you love the tech show. Surely, right? Surely you know about both of my shows, but there are other ones. And so go to OGGN.com, you know, or you can, we got a channel on Apple. If you're an Apple podcast listener, just, just look, search for OGGN. You'll see our channel. Um, you can also go to the website and, uh, and find out about all the other podcasts that we have. And there's some more stuff coming. This is not, you know, we are, uh, we're a media company folks. And so, uh, obviously 
the podcasts are are have been the main thing for a long time. But we got some cool new stuff coming down the pike, as they say. Is it down the pike or down the pipe? I think it's the pike, like the turnpike, something like that. Anyway, a great way to find out about whatever it is that's coming down the pipe or the pike is to follow us on LinkedIn because uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep that up to date. I know all the cool kids don't necessarily go to websites anymore. So follow us on LinkedIn, and you won't miss anything. That's it. Many thanks to all of our loyal listeners. Don't stop listening because we got more good stuff coming. And thanks again, of course, to our sponsor, HPE, for uh, not only for keeping the lights on, uh, which we desperately need, but for all the great things that they are doing for the industry. Thanks also to my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound great. And come back. I I can't say come back next time because I think Mel's about to say that in the outro and then you will have heard it twice. But anyway, this is the place where you know that you can, whenever you're feeling, whenever you're feeling a little bit, uh, you know, like, like we're just not getting there fast enough and there's still so much to be done. Just come right back here because, you know, this is where you can come to hear all the stories about real people who are getting digital done. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Oh, 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 oh